Hey friends, welcome to Secrets of the Happy Soul book discussion. I think at some point, Katie, we talked about calling this like happy soul talk or something. Is that true? Sounds, I don't remember. (laughs) I love it. I feel like that's a good, I feel like we're having happy soul talk. Yes. You? Yes. So much fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. So this is week two, and last week we started with um, just kind of an overview and a, and a beginning intro. So if you haven't watched the first session, go back and watch it. But one of the things we talked about last week that I thought was really significant and really foundational for the book is the difference between joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. That is something that we talk about a lot in our culture. You hear it's very prevalent that God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be joyful. But this book is actually kind of proof that he does want us to be happy. And so I'm excited. Katie, give us just a quick review on the difference between joy and happiness before we jump into this week. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with the way we define a word and the way words in our English language have have changed over time. Uh, But really, when you look, when you get into the Bible, and this is true for any, any subject, any book we read, book of the Bible that we read or any subject that we study, we need to pay attention. We, we always need to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Cognizant. That's a big word. <laughs> I think that, yeah. I mean, it's not the right way. we need to be paying attention and understand that we bring to the Bible, every one of us, we bring our worldview to it. We bring our set of assumptions to it. Our, um, you know, American 21st century or whatever country you live in 21st century, we, we bring all of that to what we read. And so when we read a word, a specific word, we automatically think A, B and C about it. And that's not always true to what the original meaning was. And so as we grow in our knowledge of the Bible, we become more and more cognizant and uh, of our, of how things don't always match that when I hear the word blank, I think this, but that's not what the original author meant for us to to hear or understand. And a lot of times it's not that we're hearing it wrong. It's just that we are, we're, there's a lot of stuff that goes right over our heads because we're, we weren't in that culture at the time. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a great example of t- right now, just off the top of my head, but there's all sorts of things that if you say the word blank, Anybody that's lived in the last 10 years would understand what that meant. But anyone out, you know, earlier than that, they would have been like, what are you talking about? Or a thousand years from now, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that happens to us all the time when we go to the Bible where they say something and we, we're, we're, we're not catching what they're throwing. We don't even know they're throwing anything at us. And yeah. so that this is what the case with the original Hebrew word in Psalm one, blessed is the one who happy is the one who that it is communicating something that we're missing. And we're bring at the same time, we're bringing to it our American uh, view of happiness or our 21st century view of happiness. And which, especially in the Christian Christian culture has been super negative. It's been like, Happiness, go away. You know, no, you can't pursue happiness. It's wrong to pursue happiness. We've all heard that so many times. At least I have. And yeah, the word Google, if you say selfie, great, great, great examples. So if I say I'm taking a selfie, people before us, you know, 10 years ago would have not understood selfie. And who knows what technological things are going to change. And and they won't understand when they 
when we say I'm taking a selfie and all that that means, uh, yeah, it's just stuff that we we miss out on. So all that to say, <laughs> the, the word that we need, it's not about the word, our English word happy. It's more about the Hebrew word Azure. It, that that's what this is about that we we want to go back we want to take we want to cast off all the things we've heard about happiness or joy or contentment go back to the original word and let the original word and the context of that original word shape our teaching shape our hearing shape our living instead of vice versa and i think the church has just done that where we have said no you can't be you can we we shouldn't pursue happiness and I think a yeah. big part of that is because when we say happy, a lot of people think that just momentary fleeting happiness. And I would yeah. agree with that statement that we shouldn't pursue happiness as the end goal. But I believe that God has created us to be happy. Why else would he make sugar taste sweet? Why would he give us physical pleasures? The ability, we, he could have created us without that ability, right? But he didn't. He created us with the ability to have pleasure, and we can find pleasure, happiness, joy, all contentment, all of that in who Christ is. Um, and so that—that's kind of the—I don't know if that answered that question. But the difference between joy and happiness—I don't. All that to say, I don't think they're all that different. I don't think well, they're all two that. sides of the same coin. It's one of the things we learned last last week. And so, thank you. That's great. No, I thought that was a great overview. Um, so now this week we are jumping into section two of the book where we talk about what are the secrets. Mm -hmm. If there are secrets of the happy soul, what are they? So the first secret we're going to talk about today is secret number one. The happy soul is focused on God. Mm -hmm. OK, that sounds so easy, right? <laughs> it sounds so easy. But I know there are a lot of traps that we all fall into mm -hmm. that keep us from focusing on God. Um, you give a great illustration of how you just felt like what other people thought about you, um, how you that was overtaking your focus instead of focusing on God. Mm -hmm. What are some other things? What are some other traps we fall into as women, as Christian women who love God and really want to focus on him? We have other traps that we fall into that keep us from keeping our eye on the target. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely what other people say. Indiv you know, individuals, I think also that, I mean, we are given from, from day one, <laughs> maybe not day one, but it's definitely, I see it in the education system that my kids are in and the message that they're constantly given. It's just you be you and, and, and just the self-confidence, which is, it's great. It's not necessarily that these are opposing, but I think that the, the constant messages that we get from school, the constant messages we get from TV, the constant messages that we get from our government, whatever it is, we what they praise, we tend to praise also, or we want to focus on as the end goal, the American dream, right? The, the, the being able to have a healthy bank account and, and, and be able to be self, uh, not self-satisfied, but you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I mean, all of us want to be able to retire, right? We all want to be able to be self-sufficient where we are not having to depend on working all that. And that's, those goals are not wrong, but it's easy for us to, it's easy for me to feel like, Oh, I, I need, I want to put my focus on these financial goals or I'm put my focus on this climbing this ladder or putting my focus on being all that I can be. And, 
when we put our focus on those things, instead of backing up first and looking at God, looking at God, who he is and what he has for us, those things like our view of him should shape those things. So our view of him and how he's created us and what, why we even exist shapes how I pursue retirement, how I pursue, uh, you know, financial goals, how I pursue work goals, how I pursue, you know, relationships, how I pursue yeah. wanting other, how people look at me. And I get this wrong all the time. You know, like I get yeah, this all the time. I flip it. I flip it. And I'm looking more at, you know, uh, uh, maybe a hero of mine in a certain area of life. And I thought, oh, if I could just be like that person. Well, no, that's not the end goal. The end goal is not being like that person. The end goal is to know God and to be a satellite of who he is to other people. I think often what I find myself falling into, Katie, is, you know, I, I'm an achiever. I have goals. I mean, that's what I put down when I thought, what are some of my traps? It's yeah. definitely goals and achievement. Yeah. And I, what I've noticed is when we, we tend to have a, maybe not a failure or maybe a failure, but something go wrong, then we go, okay, well, let me sit back and re-examine what, what really would God say about this? It's almost like a default. Like instead of being um, a, like, so, like on the, the front end thinking, how does God see this endeavor before I jump into it? Mm -hmm. I wait until I've tried and tried and tried and I failed. Mm -hmm. And then I try to encourage myself with, well, you know, God doesn't count numbers or God doesn't, yeah. you know, and so mm -hmm. it's, we, we kind of get it backwards. I mean, I think as yeah. Christians, we all know where, what God thinks about things and how he sees things. Most of the time we can get that perspective, but it's usually not till after the fact yeah, instead of before. So right. I yeah. think that's good. Um, right. I love this encouragement piece, you know, because yeah. you get to that discouragement piece that's often where my idols or whatever you want to call it, you know, like where my focus is off, that's often shown in, in that discouragement, especially if it gets really bad. You know, if I'm getting to this place where I'm just so discouraged and so like, I just want to quit. Well, why do I want to quit? Is it because I'm not achieving those goals that I set out? Like you were talking about, or is it because I'm not getting the approval from so-and-so? Um, and if that's why that's I'm quitting, crazy. that's not a great reason to quit, you know, yeah. but if I'm quitting because you know what, I've been in error this whole time and chasing this goal. And that's why I'm discouraged because God never asked me to do that to begin with. But oftentimes right. us to do something that is going to be, I mean, the Bible promises suffering and discouragement and in this world, you will have trouble. It is, it's all over scripture. Um, and so we're all going to hit discouragement. But if I get to that bottom of the barrel, just total despair, I, I want to give up. I don't want to, I don't want to move forward. Then, then that's a disobedience in my heart too, because I'm looking at the results or lack of results instead of looking at what has God called me to do. And we're going to get into that in a future, future secret also. Um, but it starts with knowing God for who he really is, not who our pastor said, not who our, you know, Sunday school teacher when we were five told us yeah. for so long, I lived my life and my, my view of who God was, was shaped by what other people told me about him mm -hmm. instead of seeing him for myself yeah. in my own relationship with the Bible and, and seeing the Bible as 
as something to, to not just do or to get from, but to see God more clearly. Yeah. I love it when you say the ultimate measure of our spiritual maturity is found in our view of God. It's not found in going through the good Christian motions and checking off boxes, like being part of a book launch or going to church or uh, taking a meal to your neighbor. Like all of these are good things Mm -hmm. and it's wonderful, but it does not define our spiritual maturity. We can only define that by um, our real relationship with God and our view of him. You talk about, you were just talking about the word of God and how important it is um, in our growth. Mm-hmm. And so I love how you break this down. You, you This, y'all, this is so practical. Mm-hmm. If you are wondering, okay, I'm in, like you've heard what we've said so far and you're like, okay, it's about God's word. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. Katie has broken it down for you in the most practical steps. And I love it. So we have to begin by taking small steps. And she gives this great illustration about baby giraffes and how (laughs) they get, they, they start walking within 30 seconds, Mm y'all. Can you imagine? That's amazing. So we don't have to, we don't have to be quite that fast. We can take smaller steps, um, but we have to learn who God is and, and begin to know him through the study of his word. So if it's okay with you, Katie, I thought we would just talk about, first of all, what are some of the roadblocks that keep us from studying God's word? And and I love how you just break it down and you're like, here's what you need to do to get past these roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so roadblocks. Yeah. Roadblocks that I've experienced personally and that I've seen a lot of women um, just through online groups or in real life, in, in church, in my small groups. Uh, we tend to get tripped up by, uh, we say it's time, but really it's a lack of habit. Yeah. So yes, it's, it's hard. Like I'm trying to get back in the gym right now and it feels like I don't have time to go to the gym. The reality is I do have time to go to the gym because I, 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 I waste time <laughs> or I'm spending time on some things that aren't as fruitful as going to the gym. So yes, I have time to go to the gym, but I am out of the habit of going to the gym. And so I need to first get in back into that habit. When it's a habit, I never think about, oh, I don't have time to go to the gym today. I never have that thought, usually, unless it's just an extremely busy week. But you know, over months time, over several months, I'm not usually saying, I don't have time to go to the gym. So it's the same with anything else in our lives that's important including time with God, it's usually that not that we don't have time, but that we're out of the habit of doing it. So I think a, a, a huge block is that being out of the habit and we just need to, to manage our expectations. That's another, another big hurdle is that we are assume that we can be that baby giraffe and just pick up and start running and, and know what to do right away. And, None of us, none of us know the Bible in and out when we first become a Christian. None of us are in a a good habit of opening the Bible. It is something that takes years and years and years. This is a long marathon, not a sprint. And so being in the habit and then managing our expectations that we're not, we're not going to be like so-and-so right away. Uh, Maybe never because we're all different. We're all different. But if we can manage our expectations of even the time of, you know, I can show up every day 
and read for five minutes. That is going to be better than not reading at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we have totally. our expectations off of like, I should love this and I should be able to spend an hour in the Bible and I should have all these notes and I should be using all these colored pencils and I should have a candle burning and I should blah, 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 blah. We have all these yeah. shoulds. Expectations, yeah. Are huge barriers. I love all the talk you have around habits. And in fact, I've heard you talk about it before. And this past Sunday, I, I lead an eighth grade girls life group. And this past Sunday, we, were, we challenged them to take to read the Bible for seven days in a row. And I talked about habit and I actually use your example of brushing your teeth because it's something you do every day and having a trigger that reminds you, you brush your teeth every day. And so I told my girls, we downloaded the Bible app, the YouVersion app. And I said, make your teeth brushing your trigger. So every day you take it out and you just read the verse of the day. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do. I heard Kendra Adachi say she's uh, the lazy genius. I don't know if you guys know her, but she's talking about habits once. And she said, when you start, want to start a new habit, make it so small that you cannot not do it, yeah. you know? And she gives this great illustration about working out and how she wanted to um, start doing yoga. But, you know, just jumping into a whole routine of yoga was a little bigger of a habit than she felt like she could do. So she started stretching in the morning while her coffee brewed. And that was it. Mm -hmm. She just something so small yeah. that you can't not do it. And I love that challenge, um, had the trigger and then just picking something really small so that you develop that habit and then stretch yourself a little bit every time. Uh, just to make it a little bit longer God is that more so than exercise in some ways there is that exercise that positive feedback you know we feel better you know I don't know I went to the gym last week and I just miserably failed at all the stuff they were getting so in some ways I didn't feel better I was like I feel like it I just you know and but I know I know that I will feel better and so I have to keep telling myself I will feel better but with God's word there is something within us if we are truly believers that we crave it but we push that craving down. And so whether it's one verse or 10 verses or whatever it is that we get, the cool thing is, is that our soul, it wakens our soul and our soul is going to want more and more and more of it. And so what starts is just one verse can easily and quickly turn into something that we want more of as we continue that habit. And it kind of, it, it transforms into from one verse to you know, 10 minutes to 20 minutes to 30 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love um, when you talk about the roadblock, just having the lack of understanding. You mentioned that just a second ago, how, um, you know, we don't understand and, and there are going to be things we don't understand. But one of your solutions to that roadblock is to utilize your local church. And mm -hmm. I love this, Katie, because we forget, you know, we feel like we we may have to go buy buy a, a Bible study or whatever. But, you know, our local church has people who are leading us through Bible studies um, who are equipped or have experience doing that and can answer questions for us. Our pastors, um, they're all people who are trained to answer questions. But you don't you don't even have to have a pastor. I mean, starting yourself and reading the word and just having confidence in yourself that, mm -hmm. OK, I can read this. I can. I can answer my own questions is, is a great first step. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And 
we we often forget that the spirit of God is within us. And so commentaries are helpful. I highly recommend getting a study Bible. I highly recommend using, utilizing your local church, talking to your pastor, if you can, you know, finding a spiritual mentor, just even a friend that you can talk about these yes. things and, yes. and gear. We, man, we're, we're saying Ezekiel right now at church. And last night was our last uh, study together in our, our Monday night group. And, we were all during several times of this, we'd have the questions and all of us were like, you know, I don't know. It's illegal. I don't know what this means. Does this mean, you know, we were, but we were having these conversations and then everybody's looking up their study notes and looking up commentary and together we figured it out, you know, yeah. individually we couldn't figure it out. But even if we're left scratching our heads, which we will leave the Bible sometimes scratching our heads because it is over our head. The spirit of God is still within us and he's still going to lead us to what we need in that moment. We may not need to understand whether or not a certain thing in Ezekiel was a vision or a real thing. That was one of the things we're like, is this, was this did this physically happen or was this a vision? And we couldn't, you know, we weren't, we weren't sure. We couldn't tell just from the text, but in reality, did it matter in that moment? Is that going to affect my obedience right now, whether or not it was a vision or a reality? No, the spirit of God, if he needed me to know that in order to be obedient, I believe that he would have made that known if that was a stumbling block for us. Um, and, you know, and we did dig into some commentaries and realize that, you know, which one it was. But all that to say, we forget that we don't have to have it all figured out in order to obey. We don't have to have it all figured out in order for God to work. So why do we think that just because we don't have it all together, that that means that God can't work? Yeah. I mean, we, I wish I didn't think that way, but I think that way sometimes. I feel like I got to have it all together in the Bible study department or in the parenting department or the whatever. Parenting is a big thing right now. I, I feel like if I make the wrong decision or say the wrong thing with one of my kids in particular, just at the very crucial kind of tween age, I feel like, is this going to be the decision that's going to make her rebel? You know, is, is this going to be, if I, if, I don't, if I don't go pick them up from school today, is that going to be the decision that they just decided my mom doesn't love me and I'm going to walk away from everything? I mean, ah, uh, it's so, I have this I know. parenting in my brain, but what that's really showing me is that is that pride that really it's all on my shoulders to make my kids grow into good human beings who follow God. It's not all up to me. It's not all up to me. Well, I love your point about community too, because even in parenting, it applies. You know, when you when you get on a, a text thread with your your friends and you ask them questions about parenting, we all give our thoughts and. It's the Bible is meant to be studied in community. I mean, that God has created us for community and for us to read his word and work through it together is the best way to do it. I really believe that. And so I think that's awesome. And your local church is the best way to do it, the best place. And if you don't have a, a Bible study or just a place where you can talk about God's word together at your church, just start a group, mm -hmm. you know, just start a group. And, um, I know I make it sound so easy, but you you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do something like that. Just to say, hey, let's get together, read the Bible and talk about it. That's it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. OK, so I know some of us don't I we've all we all have different local churches and some may not have a local church for one reason or another. Maybe 
it's out of disobedience. Maybe it's not out of lack of trying and there's just no good churches around. I mean, that's some reality. That's some of your realities. And I, I get that. Um, or maybe you're in a church. I think there's a lot of this, especially in the South that I've seen where there are people in the church, in a particular church that don't feel like they can leave that church because of family ties and the yeah. church that they're in is dry and dead or close to dead. And the pastor is not preaching the word and all that. I'm not telling you what to do, um, but I, 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 what I'm saying is I get that it's not as cut and dry as, well, go get it from your local church because there's a lot of local churches. Maybe you, you, you don't have a good local church around. It's not even an option for you. Um, but also maybe you are in a church that the pastor is not preaching the word, but he's preaching his opinion. Maybe there are no Bible studies in your church. And so this is finding community is not as easy as it ought to be. I think in a perfect world. Um, and one day when we're in glory with Jesus, we will have perfect communion with him and with one another. Um, but you know, move forward where you can move forward where you can. And the first stop is, is step is to pray because I do believe that it's God's will for each of us to be in a thriving local church. Um, and to be one, all the one another things. I mean, all of the passages in the New Testament love one another. It's the assuming that you are in a community of believers. And so maybe it is that you need to start one. Maybe it is not necessarily that you need to leave your church, but that you you be the catalyst for that. Or maybe you feel like there's no way in the world I'm leading. That is not who I am. <laughs> that's not how I'm built. Um, and that's okay. But begin praying and asking God to, to give you that community because that is his will for you. It's his will for you to be in community of a local believers, whether that's small little house church or a big, huge mega church, anything in between. Um, and not just to be in a church, but be in a church that is loving and serving God. Um, and so I, I want to make that note because I know that that's not everybody's reality, that they're in a healthy church um, or in a church at all. Uh, but let's just take that next step and let's pray and ask God to Help us find where we need to be because I believe he's got a place for each of us. He does. Absolutely. So that's basically it for our discussion today, guys. As a recap, I just want to remind you, we just talked about secret number one. The happy soul is focused on God. And so as a challenge to you, I want to ask you to really do what you can to get in the word this next week. Um, that is the best way to focus on God is to get in his word. And if you finish reading this chapter, if you haven't already, you'll get all the practical ways Katie tells you to develop um, good habits and a, a good routine for being in the word. Mm -hmm. At the end of this chapter, I love it because she gives us questions that we can answer that help us gauge where we are on our in our relationship with God, how much time we spend with him, all of those things. I would encourage you to answer those questions, even if it's just mentally and just you by yourself. I actually read a couple of them out loud to my 17 year old daughter earlier this morning. And um, so we had some good conversation about it. So feel free to also just share those with a friend and, and start a discussion. So thanks for joining us. Anything else, Katie, before we go? Um, just that the reminder that I am not a baby giraffe and you are not a baby giraffe. <laughs> You know, I yeah, think, I think you I don't, we don't have to. I, yeah. don't feel like, I am not a baby giraffe. Yeah, and don't feel like you have to run a marathon. You know, take 
small steps and and um, make it make it something that's achievable for you. So thanks for joining us. Hey, thank we will you, see you again soon for part uh, three and the secret number two. Right. See you next time. Bye.